With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to the Magellan Show. It is Thursday, the 12th day of November, 2015. I am your host, Magellan. Thanks so much for being a part of our broadcast today. Coming to you across the United States, Canada, and around the world. We appreciate your listening to the show, as we always do, and we want to remind you that you can check out all that we're doing on our website, www.magellanshow.com. There you will find all of the, uh, the latest articles, news, making headlines, as well as as well as our podcast on demand. You can click on the links and listen in that way. So a definite resource for you. We also want to thank uh, some other websites that are, that are getting the word out about our, about our show. We want to thank iqdcalls.com for posting our shows, as well as other websites doing the same, like podbay.fm and others where you can get the link and listen in uh, to the show on demand at a time that's most convenient for you, day or night. We're on iTunes, so if you've got the iTunes app downloaded, subscribe to our podcast for free. That's right, you can subscribe for free. Type in the keywords, Magellan Show. If you want to get in touch with us, ask a question, a comment, whatever it may be. I try to respond to all of your emails as as soon as I can, and you can just go to our email address and and get in touch. Contact at MagellanShow.com. Again, that's contact at MagellanShow.com. Our live number is 646-929-0709. Again, 646-929-0709. 0709. Uh, we have a playback number, so if you want to listen to the playback, it's area code 712-775-7039. The access code is 327-756-POUND. We want to get into the news today, as we do every time we're on our broadcast. Uh, just a, uh, a tremendous amount of news. And we're going to talk uh, about a few things. Uh, one being political correctness and how uh, this political correctness has taken the nation by storm and gotten out of control. And a good example of that is what has been happening in the state of Missouri. Now, it it doesn't stop there, but, but we know that, uh, that quite a few things have been happening, especially on, on campus there uh, at the university. We're going to we're going to discuss it today, and and try to get some insights because I really believe that if we do not take notice of these things that are happening, that we will gradually 
and actually it's picking up in momentum. We will get to the point to where uh, we will be persecuted for free speech. That's right. Free speech. It's all hanging in the balance. So I want to look at an article, just, just for those of you who may not be up to date on everything, I want to just go over some of these some of these headlines just to give you an idea uh, again as to uh, as to where we're at. And so what happened was the the university there. Uh, this is in Columbia, Missouri, uh, the University of Missouri. There were some outcries that. Should step down. Now we know that he did uh, that he did step down, and uh, as well as the chancellor, I believe. But what had happened was is that there were some things uh, that in at that university. Now some would call this radical uh, expression uh, or freedom of expression. Uh, we're not talking about violence necessary, but but radical free speech. Now. In no way, you know, do we condone, uh, you know, the speech that that uh, is uh, that that is that is hate that is hate driven. And 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 truly, truly, uh, I'm not saying that there should not have been some action that took place, because what had happened was is that uh, that there had been, from from my understanding of the news article. That there had there had been a swastika that had been that had been written on uh, on on one of the walls, and uh, and, and I, I won't go into further detail on that, uh, but uh, it, it was uh, it was something that obviously was was uh, just uh, just just a hateful thing to to put anywhere, but the means by which the means by which they removed this president, because, mind you, the, the, the president uh, did not in any way, um, you know, carry out this, this, this type of action. This was done by one of the students. And we don't know for sure if they could even prove, you know, which student actually did this, Okay. And so there were a few other things as well, but but we're not talking about uh, you know the, about uh, violent behavior, but there were there were definitely some things that that were objectionable that were done by the students, but it was more of just a radical uh, expression uh, of of ideas. But again, you know, this is something that happens in universities. I mean, you go into a university right now. And if you are a Christian, get ready to be mocked, ridiculed, and told that you are uh, that you are stupid and that you do not have the right way of thinking. Absolutely, you will be you will be told that by your university professors. That's why many times you have young people, uh, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, that are going into the university for the first time, who maybe do not have a, a solid footing on their uh, Christian beliefs, and when they go into those university atmospheres and settings, they walk out of the university uh, as an agnostic or, or atheist uh, 
because of this type of indoctrination. They don't have a, a strong footing, and so they hear someone that that pontificates and someone that that lectures uh, with with large vocabulary words, and they demean and degrade the Christian faith. They absolutely do. And as bad as it is, as bad as that is, the the uh, the way that they ridicule uh, Christians and put them down, not just uh, in general the religion, that's bad enough, but to demean and to degrade the adherents of the Christian religion, of Christianity. And that is over the top, but but it still happens. And many times the response of Christians is this, my friends. Well, you know, that's a secular university, and at a secular university you're going to have secular ideas, and though we do not agree with them, and though we, uh, you know, we we look down at that kind of attitude, we know that it, it is what it is, and that's why many times, you know, you... Uh, you know, you'll find uh, Christian kids that'll be going to a Christian call uh, to a Christian college, or at the very least, if they're uh, going to a secular college, that they will uh, they will do their best to try to find those instructors that are more in line uh, with with their belief system, or at least don't trample on their beliefs. Look, I remember uh, when I went to to college, and I uh, you know. I, I did not attend a, a Christian college, uh, and one of the reasons for that, well, I mean, I I, I did have a, a Christian education uh, all the way through school, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that uh, that I did, uh, having uh, having been one of the few in my age group to have gone through uh, home study and uh, through homeschooling, which I think is is not just an alternative, but a wonderful way to educate your kids and uh, in, in an amazing way. But when I went to college, you know, uh, it was not a, a Christian university, you know, a local community college and then later, uh, you know, uh, university. But you would talk to people and they would tell you, okay, you need to watch out this professor uh, is uh, not just uh, not just an atheist, but uh, he, he, you know, he's very aggressive uh, in his lecturing towards Christian. So you may want to watch out for that. So you know, you would you would begin to kind of uh, share with one another. Uh, okay, watch out for this professor. Watch out for that professor. And you dealt with it. You dealt with it. Okay. So we we, be, we become used to to being persecuted. Look. Uh, I think that's the thing that that is that is so just out of control here is that it is the Christian population that 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 really takes and has to endure all of this mess, and we have become some of the most tolerant uh, of anyone. But then there comes this new movement to where if anything offends them, they're going to take radical action. So let me get back on the story here of the University of Missouri. So there have been some 
there have been some activities at the University of Missouri that uh, that that really have have been inappropriate, obviously, not violent behavior, but uh, but certainly uh, speech and, uh, and 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 an attitude that has that ha- that has been uh, well uh, anti-Semitic, and and that's wrong, and no one's saying that it, that it's not. But the way that they that they ousted this. Uh, this this president, I, I don't believe that it was the right approach. See, here's what's happening. Let me get you up to speed. So one person said, you know, we're going. One person went on hunger strike, and the football team said we're not going to play any more ball games because they knew that that's a big deal, you know. And so eventually they were put under pressure. That the university president uh, was put under pressure and and stepped down. Okay, but it's the process by which this happened. So, what happened next? What happened next? So, so you had some some freelance journalists and various journalists, and I posted this, guys. I posted this on MagellanShow.com and on our Twitter feed at Real Magellan. So, what happened next, I think, is where it gets really crazy. Is that as you would have uh, various journalists that would come in following the uh, the story. You would have these threatening mobs that were really trying to trample on those who were just expressing their First Amendment rights, uh, and, and, and get this—you know—using intimidation tactics, intimidation tactics, so that folks could not cover the story. The headline here: a, a, a photographer was threatened with mob violence by a professor at Missouri University after he tried to assert his First Amendment rights against safe space authoritarians who, who use these tactics to shut down free speech. The incident happened in the aftermath of yesterday's resignation of University of Missouri President Tim Wolf, who stepped down after failing to acquiesce to a list of demands from students that include that he acknowledges. Now, here's the other thing. So we we in, in no way are uh, are supporting or saying that that some of the things that happened on that campus were uh, were right. Okay, no one no one is approving of of, of graffiti or uh, or speech that that would you know demean someone else. But at the same time, we we have to we have to understand. That this, this, these are the same universities that will rip uh, Christian uh, Christians and their and their ways of thinking to shreds. But the but the liberal professors and students have taken it so far, and what they're wanting to do and what they did was that they didn't go through the process of pressuring the university. Uh, and, and calling for the, you know, for the uh, for the board of trustees or whoever it is that would make these decisions on letting a professor or, or a president go, but they took it on themselves. But it wasn't just enough for them to to have him step down. Oh no, no, that that they in essence put a list of demands. So this has almost become like a, a sense of blackmail 
or, or, or whatever that says, okay, you have to, and one of those was that he has to acknowledge his, quote-unquote, white privilege. And after citizen professors formed a human shield to try to block uh, uh, reporters from covering the story, photographer Mark uh, Schellerbecker attempted to get an interview with some of the demonstrators to see, okay, what's in your head? You know, what, what do you want to talk about? Uh, in the end of the video, you can check out this video on MagellanShow.com. The end of the video shows a woman who was later identified as uh, Melissa Click, an assistant professor of mass media, grab uh, Schiller Becker's camera before demanding that he leave. And uh, she, she yells the following quote, hey, who wants to help me get this reporter out of here? I need some muscle over here. I mean, we're talking about 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 sickos. This PC uh, police, so to speak, the politically correct police, uh, has has launched a form of jihad against free speech. Look, none of us is supporting uh, what went on at the university and 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 the kind of uh, of speech that that uh, and, and graffiti and and everything else uh, that was going on at the university. But the reaction, the reaction is what I'm referring to, where they're using this as an opportunity to blackmail a, uh, to blackmail a, a, a president, to make demands, to have him, uh, you know, demean his own race by saying that he is, uh, you know, th- that he is one that has, as they say, uh, uh, use his white privilege. And, and it just goes on from there. You know, it, it, you know it's like, you know, where, where does it stand? And so, so now they can't even cover the story because of these students that are trying to block, uh, that are trying to block it. You know, this is where we're at. And so our universities now, and it's not just in the university of Missouri, but we're also finding out that uh, there's some other universities that are having similar incidents uh, in, in, a similar, in, in Yale, exactly, uh, uh, during which Professor Nicholas uh, Christicus uh, was, uh, was besieged by students after he sent an email criticizing their efforts to censor offensive Halloween costumes. The mob showed in the in this video, and it's also posted here on MagellanShow.com, that they used intimidation tactics as well. So they're saying, you can't express your ideas, professor, because of thus and so. And, and here he's just saying, look, uh, here are some students. Here are some students right now that are trying to censor. It's all about blocking uh, ideas, but only certain ideas. And that is where the problem lies. Look, I mean, hey, I don't like Halloween, I'll be honest with you. I'm always glad when, when it's passed. But you've got some students here that, that, are, that were attempting to censor Certain Halloween costumes that they found offensive, and I'm sure that those that those that those ones that they found offensive probably had to do with uh, I don't know. It probably offended some some obscure religion, 
you know, I, I'm sure it was not a, an offense to Christianity anyway. But that's where we're at, you know. Or maybe, maybe you know, it was a Halloween costume uh, that uh, uh, that offended uh, some left-wing liberal politician. Who knows? So, free speech, and this is just examples of how our young people are being are being uh, really brainwashed uh, by, uh, you know, more than ever before. You see, before, you know, there's, there's always been, and we're talking about a lot of things today, but I just want to spend some time on this. There's always been uh, an exchange of, of, of radical, secular ideas on university campuses. This is nothing new. Uh, it's really not. But I think the thing that we're seeing here, it's not just where – you're having uh, Christians who are being targeted uh, at these universities because, uh, you know, they're Christian, they're conservative, but it's going even much further now to where you're having uh, uh, more communist ideas. Why is that? Because the communists and the socialists are the ones who are getting hired at these universities. And why is this so important? Why is this so important? It's important that we recognize this because our young people who are raised in church and they're entertained by their youth pastors who just entertain them and they don't have, many of them do not have a strong footing in their belief system. I mean, that's where we're at. They go to the, the university and they, they gather uh, uh, Marxist ideas and then you have a uh, a new wave, a new generation of people that abhor Christianity, that hate Christianity, uh, and that really want to promote uh, this 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 Marx this Marxist type uh, uh, way of, of of doing things in in the country. This is the exact reason. This is the exact reason why uh, candidates like Bernie Sanders are doing so well. Even Hillary Clinton, for that matter, she she disguises it a little bit more. Bernie Sanders is more like in your face. Hey, it's the Brooklyn way, you know. <laughs> you know, you're more, you're more direct about things. No offense to those of you that live in Brooklyn. I want to know what this guy's thinking, right? I don't want him to, you know, to, uh, to try to con- conceal it. We know what Bernie is thinking. He, he he says, "Hey, I am a democratic socialist." We know that socialism, uh, just after after a while, leads into uh, into communism. It always does. It may have a new uh, branding. It may have a little different flair, but it's still the same old ideology that go that goes back. See. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that there's really, and I'm just paraphrasing this here, but it says there's really nothing new under the sun. And so true it is. It's just a rehashing. It's a, it's a uh, you know, I mean, I don't care if it's religion. I don't, you know, I mean, you take, you take religion, for example. You take Hinduism, an ancient religion. And uh, it's still in existence, but... It has been repackaged into the New Age movement. And you take uh, Marxism and some of the, all the other 
isms and schisms and so forth uh, that uh, that have been uh, you know prevalent throughout various nations over the past century or so and, and several decades, and it just repackages into a uh, into something different, a new brand uh, that may be uh, starting out as political correctness, etc. And so this is where we're at today. Now, for those of you that are just joining us, this is the Magellan Show, where we express where we express ourselves, where we express ideas and talk about what is happening in our country and how our country really needs to wake up because this generation, the, you know, uh, the, the millennials, the, the generation, these young people that if we're not careful, we're going to see such a shift in ideas. And, and look, uh, many of these young people that are going to these universities now, many of them... Uh, after they get out, uh, can't even get a job. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. They can't even get a job anymore, uh, and, and and that's the cold hard fact. But hey, that's exactly that's exactly what the, the, their brainwashers, those that are brainwashing them, want. They want to take them through the university system that has become more radicalized than their parents even realize. So they gather these Marxist ideas and these radical ideas as they're getting their, their, their bachelor's degree in philosophy or, or humanities or whatever they may be getting. And, you know, and in doing so, you know, they, uh, they're, they, they're lucky if they can get a job. Or if they do get a job, they get paid, what, 10 cents more in the hour because they've got that degree. So then they don't know what to do because they're like, well, I, I you know, I, I went through this, and now I don't have a job. I can't get employed. So then they look to the government for help. Well, what else do they expect? This is the, this is the movement, you know, and this is, you know, they've got it. The system has it all figured out. They do. And after it's all said and done, young person, the joke's going to be on you. Wake up. It's time to wake up, and it's time to to get fresh ideas that, uh, well, they're really not uh, new ideas, but fresh ideas that, uh, that say, hey, liberty means everything. Now, just to be completely fair, there are those that, uh, that, that, that have a sense of, of, of mental clarity and, and are uh, standing up for, for free speech, for liberty, uh, for, uh, for freedom of expression. But what's happening is is that the the few are speaking for for the many because the many or the majority are silent. They are silent. They don't do anything. They're happy in their their state of complacency. Is that where you want to be? Are you content? just going along about your daily lives, seeing your country fall apart, seeing your children and your grandchildren brainwashed by these ideas. You know, if I, if I had, I don't have children, but if I had uh, college-age children, I would certainly, I would certainly uh, think twice before I would encourage them to even go to university. I mean, seriously. You say, oh, Magellan, are you against 
higher education? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I uh, I gathered a lot of my education uh, through distance learning, and uh, I think it's a wonderful uh, format. Many people are doing that. So I think that's a great way if you want to pursue a degree. And I'm not saying that you can't go to a campus, but 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 things are, things are changing. Not only that, and I think this was, was brought out so well within the debates on Tuesday night, and how do you did you catch the debate? If you didn't, you missed out, uh, and and you need to go online and watch the debates. Uh, get on YouTube, find it. Uh, it was it was an incredible night, and as we're kind of shifting ideas here, it was an incredible night of debates. And I'm going to share some of my thoughts on the debates because it was very good. Fox Business Channel did a Fox Business Network did a great job. They really did. It was incredibly fair. And I know some of you are saying, oh, Magellan, you're just one of those Fox people. No, look, I know sometimes Fox doesn't always get it right. But they were so fair. And to prove that, as I was looking online, all of the candidates had pretty much the exact same amount of time. Well, I know that some of them tried to interrupt, but the point is that most of them had, actually all of them had pretty much the same amount of time that was divvied up. You know, each one got about about 11, 12, 13 minutes uh, for each one. Uh, and, and so it was very fair, a very, very evened out. There were two debates. There was the, the, the early debate uh, where you had the candidates uh, that were not doing quite so well in the polls. And I'll talk about that for starters, and then, uh, and then I'll bring out a point uh, on the second debate uh, that was made uh, in terms of, of, well, just a whole lot of things that were interesting. But in the first debate, you had uh, uh, former Pennsylvania Senator uh, Rick Santorum. You had former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee. You had the uh, governor of Louisiana, Bobby Jindal. And uh, you also had uh, governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Chris Christie, uh, I thought, did a phenomenal job. And honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not back in on the main stage for the prime time debates uh, coming up in December, December 15th, when they have the next Republican uh, presidential debate. But he did a tremendous job. He stayed on message. Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana, I thought uh, was way too aggressive uh, towards Christie and some of the other candidates, uh, as well as Mike Huckabee, uh, I thought he was uh, just just too aggressive. It made it made him look desperate. Uh, he did not look like a statesman at all. And to me, uh, I think that that it it did not work well for Bobby Jindal. Uh, but I think it was just kind of like his uh, hail mary pass, so to speak. I think he was just doing whatever he could to try to, to try to stay alive. And I think it backfired on him miserably. And I think that it, it all it did was uh, helped uh, Governor Christie. He stayed on message, uh, Christie did, and he kept the fight towards Hillary Clinton and and how he was looking towards the general election. I was very impressed with Chris Christie. And I haven't even been that big of a Christie supporter, but I have to say, even though he wouldn't be my number one candidate, uh, honestly, his debate performance was uh, was quite impressive. But moving now to the main debate, the main debate, uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, uh, more of a primetime slot, 
And and I'll say this that Marco Rubio is not one of my favorite candidates candidates either, but he did make a very good point, as he's quite a, a very skilled debater, about the university system and how you've got these young people that are going to universities that don't even have a job and that many uh, have unnecessarily so condemned trade schools, trades like like uh, like welding and um uh you know uh, you know other types of uh, plumbing etc things that that you learn and you can make a heck of a lot of money doing so i thought it was very good what he brought out but um you know just looking at this from a broader perspective the fact that they that they had an even amount of time to express their ideas all eight candidates on the main debate stage floor i thought it was really great i thought rand paul and many of you know that I have, have, have spoken favorably about Rand Paul for a long time, even before any of these debates got started. One of the things that was uh, frustrating me with Rand was the fact that he wasn't really breaking out. Now, I can't blame him entirely for that because part of it has been uh, the, the debate panels previous to the Fox Business News debate that really didn't give him a fair shake. And did give him, didn't give him time to express his ideas, but I thought he did very well in this past debate. Articulated his, his viewpoints uh, in, in uh, a most excellent way. And I believe that if, if, it, if it hasn't happened already, that he's going to get a lot more financial support. I believe you're going to see and hear a lot more from Rand Paul. And when the polling numbers, and I would imagine that we're going to get some polling numbers probably today, tomorrow, the very latest, as a result uh, of, of the Tuesday night debates, I think you're going to see Rand Paul move up. I really do. Now, there are going to be others that are going to move up. Some are going to maintain. Some are going to move back a little bit. I thought Governor Kasich from Ohio did a terrible job, uh, really uh, tacky in the way that he handled things. And, uh, you know, there may be some that just really support the guy, but I thought that he, that he did a terrible job. I really do. Uh, Jeb Bush, uh, you know, he still had a little bit of a desperate, uh, kind of a, a sense of desperation there. Uh, didn't, didn't manifest itself in the same way as, say, Kasich. Uh, but I really believe that, uh, that Jeb Bush, I think he has a frustration because he feels a sense of entitlement. Uh, you know, Jeb Bush, uh, the brother of, of former President uh, George W. Bush, his brother, uh, and also his dad, remember, was also the former president, uh, uh, George H.W. Uh, 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 Bush, uh, senior. And so he feels like, okay, I have a sense of entitlement. I'm a Bush. I should be, I should be doing better in the polls. You know, he's been sort of the establishment candidate. So who's taking up all of that uh, that uh, acclaim and attention right now? Well, mainly Marco Rubio, because he tends to attract uh, the establishment, and a little bit with Carly Fiorina as well. But but certainly Rubio is taking a lot of that uh, that that Bush support that was that establishment traditional Republican support. To the dismay of Jeb, and you can see his frustration. I mean, you know, and I can't help feel sorry for him a little bit, even though I am totally not a supporter of Jeb Bush. 
you know, I, I mean, it must feel, you know, like, okay, my brother was president, my dad is president, but look, this is not a monarchy. This is not, you know, I mean, this is not a kingdom where, where it goes to him next, okay? I mean, be happy. Look, you were the governor of the great state of Florida, you know, but get over it and move on. I mean, hey, he has every right to stay in the race, and maybe he'll get a cabinet position as a result of uh, of one of the other candidates from winning. We don't know, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. Now, some of you may be huge Jeff Bush supporters, and that's fine. That's the great thing about the Magellan Show. We express ideas, freedom of speech, freedom of ideas, you know, and that's the great part about it. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, you know, we have to look at the substance. And uh, it was a substantive debate. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, you know, he threw a few of his traditional Donald Trump jabs uh, and, and, you know, a few sarcastic remarks here and there. But all in all, he remained a little bit more guarded. He was a, a little bit more, a bit more polite. And I thought one of the funny moments, one of the exchanges uh, when uh, I believe it was Kasich, uh, uh, I believe it was Governor Kasich uh, was was talking and trying to dominate the floor. That uh, that Trump said, let let Jeff speak, and Jeff was just laughing. I think he, even he was amused at Donald. He said, uh, "Well, thank you, Donald, for giving me the opportunity to speak at the debate tonight." You know, so it was it was, it was a funny moment. Uh, Trump did well, uh, and I think he really uh, he really reached out to his base. What really took Trump into – you see, and this is the, the smart thing about Trump. Whether you are a Trump supporter or not, you have to look at all these candidates because they, each one of them did well, and they appealed to their base. So what was it originally that propelled or that, that took Donald Trump to the level – a prominence that that that, he, that he's at and and has enjoyed for the last several months in this in this uh, in this political race. What was it? It was his position on illegal immigration. That's what got him such high polling numbers. And so, what did he do? He got radical Tuesday night. He didn't. Yes, he talked a little bit about some other issues, but he stayed on the Trump message because he kind of had pulled back a little bit from it, a little bit. And he, and he hit that issue hard and heavy about the wall. He talked about how, how we need to have legal immigration, and he encouraged that. But he condemned illegal immigration and also those that are here illegally. Now you had Kasich and some of the other ones, uh, that uh, and, and Rubio and, and, and Jeb that were trying to Say you know, get in reality. How can you deport 11, 11 million, maybe more? We don't know the the numbers. Illegal immigrants, but Trump did not back down. And if you watch the debate, you saw that. And so he appealed to his base, and that's why you will see him at the very least maintain his polling numbers, but probably will see them advance as a result of that kind of attitude. He said, "No, I will do that." We will, we will do this, and we will get our economy back, and we will make, as he says, America great again. Now, the only other candidate on the stage that 
had that same type of uh, uh, of wording was Texas Senator Ted Cruz. And uh, I've always said, and I've always thought that that uh, well, guarantee it. Nobody knows, but that Ted Cruz and Trump could could easily uh, become running mates because uh, ideologically they have a lot of things in common, and uh, and and they're uh, they tend to to be uh, strict constitutionalists. So I think you'll see uh, certainly uh, more out of these two candidates. Uh, there were others that that did that did pretty well. I thought Carly Fiorina uh, did well. Um, I don't think she knocked it out of the ballpark in any respect, but she did well. And uh, so uh, props to her. I mean, several candidates. We'll have time to, to get into all of them. But let's talk a little bit about Ben Carson. Okay, I think Ben Carson. I think he he laid to rest the 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 accusations about the whole West Point thing. He said, "Look, I was." Uh, I was verbally offered this position, even though it wasn't formally documented on paper. You know, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I think there are bigger pressing issues. Now, let me talk about about Ben Carson on some other fronts. And you know, the West Point thing, I get it. I understand. You know, many times, uh, you know, you are offered scholarships. You are. I mean, I hey, I know. I was one time. I was offered a uh, a scholarship. A top scholarship at, uh, at at a university for for music uh, for vocal performance, and uh, and it was uh, you know it was something uh, that uh, it, was, it was an honorable. Uh, I mean, it was really an honor to receive to receive that. I was offered that verbally by the dean, and it was kind of a last minute thing. This was like twenty years ago. You know, I was going to get to travel around the world uh, uh, with, with this group and. Uh, Big deal, but the, you know, I just I made a decision that that it was not something that I wanted to do, and uh, but it wasn't formally written down on paper or anything. So I understand where, uh, and and there's a, a very interesting story uh, that I won't have time to go into today uh, regarding that whole scholarship thing that I was given. But but so I understand where where Carson's coming from. On that, and so, like I said again, I give him the benefit of the doubt. But what I want to focus on are some of the other things that 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 Carson is uh, endorsing and supporting. Okay, we all get the fact that Carson is a really nice guy. We understand that that has been really uh, his uh, uh, his base. He, he really is appealing to those who. Uh, who appreciate uh, his integrity, if you will, and his past integrity, and the fact that that he has been, uh, you know, uh, a, a very uh, intelligent individual who has made a positive impact on our world. I mean, it's great. Hey, you know, he he separated conjoined twins. He's done a lot of good things. The Gifted Hands movie and book and all this. Uh, we get it. But is that enough to be president? Certainly. Uh, you know, anyone can be president if they're at least 35 years of age and uh, they meet, uh, uh, you know, they haven't been a criminal and, and you know, they're a, a U.S.-born citizen. Yeah, we, we understand that. There have been a lot of people that have supported him because Carson's nice. You know, but is that 
self-sufficient. And I've been looking and I've been examining Carson lately. And, you know, uh, obviously, in the general election, I'll just be straight up about it, uh, I think think he would definitely uh, be, uh, uh, and really any of the Republicans would be uh, a, a, a breath of fresh air as compared to uh, voting for Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton. And let me just say for the record here that um, it's not that I am uh, this person that just, you know, is so partisan. It's the fact that the Democratic Party has has been hijacked by a bunch of, by a bunch of uh, political, uh, by a bunch of politicians, I should say, that have radical socialist ideas and they say it now democratic socialist my goodness so absolutely do i tend do i am i leaning republican now yeah i am because i don't like the idea look at any country look what socialism did to it and you may say oh well you know every country has a little bit of socialism yeah i understand but uh you know these programs that they're promising you, the way they're going to get them is they're going to tax you 60, 70, 80, 90 percent, depending on your income. So that's the deal there. But, uh, you know, back on, on, on Ben Carson, you know, and I know a lot of you may support Ben, but one of the things that, that has troubled me about Ben Carson is the support of the TPP. And this is something that, that uh, Obama... Uh, has uh, has has been pushing, and it, it, it's it's a trade agreement. Remember when when uh, when NAFTA was you know the you know the the North American Free Trade Agreement that that was that was what during the the the, the Bill Clinton administration back in the 90s, and a lot of people didn't know what it meant because they were too, too worried about what was going on with their favorite sports team, or they were too worried about what was going on. Uh, in their own lives or or in their own affairs or what what favorite television show was coming on that week. But NAFTA really hurt the United States of America. And it was at that point, I had friends and I knew people during the 1990s that had unbelievable jobs at some of the, the most notable American companies like General Motors and others. And they lost their jobs as these uh, plants were moved to Mexico. Okay, and they were moved. They were moved to other places. So now you have something, and 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 Donald Trump brought it out when he talked about the TPP at the debate. He said this is a fifty-six hundred-page set of documents, bigger than Obamacare even, which people have not read. And, you know, and do not realize the implications of even Obamacare and the biometrics and everything else that are going to be pushed as a result of that. But we'll get that at another time. But the TPP, this this uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, the acronym for it, you know, where you're going to have a lot of nations that are going to to, uh, join together in a form of trade. And it's going to ease these restrictions in such a way to where it moves us closer and closer, Trans-Pacific Partnership, where it's going to move us closer and closer. It's a trade. It's a trade agreement 
among 12 Pacific Rim countries, you know, like Malaysia, and Singapore, and Mexico, and Chile. And what's this going to do? It's going to destroy our labor unions. It's going to destroy uh, what we have in this country. You think that NAFTA screwed this country up? You think that some of the democratically socialistic ideas uh, have destroyed this country? Get ready for the TPP. And it was out for 24 hours, and Dr. Ben Carson, who I'm sure is a really nice guy, and, and and someone that uh, that you know is is a heck of a of a of a pediatric neurosurgeon, sure. But after 24 hours, you're telling me that you read 5,600 pages of the TPP. This is going to destroy to destroy jobs. Okay, it's going to destroy jobs. especially for the working middle class. And this is the problem. He supports it, among other things. And there, I'm sure there are other, and I haven't even looked, there are probably other establishment Republicans that do too. Now, would I support Carson over, over Hillary or Bernie? Any day, of course, because there are other ideas that, you know, that I think are, that he's got really uh, uh, great ideas on. But we have to stick to conservative ideas. That's what Rand Paul said in the debate. We have to. We have to be aware of what's going on in this country. You know, before Germany and some of these other countries fell, and and history's repeating itself, by the way, with Germany, but, uh, you know, it happened little by little. You go out on the street and you ask people, what is the TPP? And they'll be like, well, isn't that 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 tent that that Native Americans uh, used to live in, you know, back in the day? I mean, seriously, this is how. It's not that our society isn't intelligent, because we have a very intelligent society. We memorize what we want to memorize. We follow what we want to follow. You know, but we keep up more with the Kardashians, we keep up more with what is going on in pop culture and in sports and in other areas of our life than what we do about some of these agreements. And it it is that kind of 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 of, of just lack of, of of interest in in our country that is that is that is going to be there's going to be the result of our demise if we don't wake up soon, my friends. If we don't wake up soon, my friends. 646-929-0709 is our live number. Playback number, area code 712-775-7039. Access code 327-756-POUND. We are talking today on the Magellan Show about about freedom and, and, and about uh, political correctness and political incorrectness, and and the and the candidates and so much more, and how we've got to wake up and we've got to shake ourselves into reality. 
Guantanamo Bay, Guantanamo Bay. Been a lot of controversy surrounding that, Gitmo as they call it. Now the White House is hinting at executive action to close Gitmo prison despite ill resistance. Fox News is carrying this story. We want to take a look at it. Again. Want to get a, a, a sense as to what's going on as the White House is opposing this action, showing some resistance. So what you're really seeing here, I mean, even bigger than the whole Gitmo situation, but this is you know where they would potentially be moved back to to uh, the mainland United States. The, the big issue here is the battle between the executive branch and the legislative branch of government. Now, we know we have the judicial branch as well, which many times does the bidding of the executive branch, especially if, uh, if, if they lean a certain way politically. And it's interesting that, that Ted Cruz, as he was, I believe he's in New Hampshire right now, or he's been in New Hampshire, stopped off at a school and was talking to young people about how laws are made. Many people want to know how laws are made. We don't have a king, or we're not supposed to have a king in this country. We have a president. A little bit different. But suspicions are mounting on Capitol Hill that President Obama could try to use executive action to close the Guantanamo Bay Detention Center, even after Congress this week approved legislation that would keep the facility open. So the president is saying, okay, Congress, you, you, know, you have put together legislation that would keep the facility open, but I'm thinking about just, you know, just using my executive powers. Now, the president does have the authority to use executive action in certain situations, but not when, but not when it makes a mockery out of our legislative branch of government known as the Congress. The defense policy bill approved Tuesday would bar the transfer of Guantanamo inmates or Gitmo inmates to the United States. Obama, despite opposing that provision, plans to sign the bill. But the White House may have a backup plan. Press Secretary Josh Ernest has indicated twice in recent days that Obama could use executive action to get around Congress. I'm going to protect the ability of the president to use his authority to move the country in the direction that he believes it should be headed, and particularly when it comes to an issue like closing the prison at Guantanamo Bay, is what Ernest said after the Senate vote, declining to rule out the use of executive action. And, and, and there's more to this article. You can read it in its entirety uh, by going to our website, www.magellanshow.com. But this is this is the state of affairs. This is where we're at right now. As big of a deal as the Guantanamo Bay issue is, I think the bigger story, or at least equally important story, is are we at a point to where Congress is really being shoved to the side, and you are now uh, you are now seeing laws passed. Through, through the executive powers. This is where we are at. So we definitely, we definitely, my friends, uh, you know, need to, to wake up and, and just 
get clearness of mind and continue to elect and send the right kinds of people to Washington. It's not just about, I was talking with a, with a friend of mine not too long ago, about the importance of, of, of being, being involved politically uh, and, and how that it's not just about the presidential race. Oh, it's very important, and we can't underestimate that at all. But we also need to fully acknowledge, to fully acknowledge that the local races are important. You know, who, you know, who, who is your sheriff? Who is your governor? Uh, who are your representatives in Congress? Those are also very important too because they, they can make a powerful difference in what goes on. So we don't want to in any way uh, dismiss uh, the, uh, uh, the priority of that as well. Interesting article that came out uh, courtesy, well, I caught this on Infowars.com. 21 signs that Americans are the unhappiest people on the planet. In America, suicide rates are soaring, antidepressants, uh, the use of antidepressants skyrocketing right now. We know that just among uh, our, our veterans, some 22 veterans uh, take their lives every day. This is brought out especially in light of, of, uh, of Veterans Day. But it's not just those that, that are veterans of wars, but also veterans uh, of their own uh, internal wars and, and the things that are going on uh, in, in our society that, that become too hard for folks to handle. So uh, for a nation that, is supposed, that supposedly has it all, we sure are depressed. In, an Amer- in America today, suicide rates are soaring. Antidepressant use is skyrocketing. Virtually every new survey out shows that we are deeply dissatisfied about something. But we live at a time when there are more things to enjoy than ever before. And uh, as the... Uh, the writer of this article says, he says this, when I was growing up, there were only a handful of television channels to choose from, but now there are hundreds. We have more movies than we ever could possibly watch, more books than we could ever possibly read, and the greatest video games ever made are, are at our fingertips. And with all of the entertainment that surrounds us, you would think that Americans would be happier than ever, than ever before. And yet we continue to become even more depressed. Everywhere... I go. I, I see people that look like they have uh, that like like the life has been completely sucked out of them, drained. And so the question is, why is this happening? The following are 21 signs that Americans are the most unhappy people in the entire world. And, I mean, this is, you know, I won't get to all of these because, you know, it's too many, but I would encourage you, go to our, go to our Twitter feed, at Real Magellan, to find this, this uh, tweet, or go to our website, MagellanShow.com, and click on there. But let's look at some of these. Um, a scientific study that was released uh, found that the U.S. adults are becoming less happy over the years. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just goes into some of these. Uh, they're becoming increasingly depressed. This was conducted by a study at San Diego University. Back in 
61.1% of all Americans reported being happy at work. Today, 52.3% of all Americans say that they are unhappy at work. A different survey found that 70% of all Americans do not feel engaged or inspired at their jobs. Uh, also, one survey of 50-year-old men uh, in, the, in the U.S. found that only 12% of them said that they were very happy. Only 12% of 50-year-old men said that they would consider themselves very happy. The number of Americans diagnosed with depression increases by about 20% each year, and certainly this is something that, uh, that is not getting the attention that it needs, my friends. It's really not. And according to the New York Times, more than 30 million Americans take antidepressants. These are the ones that, it, that admit to it. So, I mean, that's roughly uh, 9%, uh, almost 10% of the population. Uh, doctors in the United States write more than 250 million, a quarter of a billion antidepressant prescriptions every single year. The rate of antidepressants uh, use, and I'm just going to spend some time on this. I feel that it's important to do so might help someone out there, but the rate of antidepressant use among middle-aged women is far higher than the, than the population as a whole, and it is hard to believe that right now one out of every four women in their 40s and 50s is taking an antidepressant medication. Compared to children in Europe, children in the United States are three times more likely to be, to be prescribed antidepressants. In America today, there are 60 million people that have used alcohol, and there are 22 million people that use illegal drugs. And, you know, you may say, especially those of us that have come from, from religious backgrounds, oh, well, you know, they, you know, those alcoholics, shame on them, you know, they're just worldly people. And, and while to a certain extent that may be true, some of them are trying to, you know, are trying to escape from, from their problems, and they're doing it in a way that sadly is destructive. You know, Americans have the highest rate of illegal drug use on the entire planet. One recent poll found that 71% of Americans are dissatisfied with the direction that things are going in the country. Americans have the highest divorce rate in the world, not just by a little margin, but by, but by a wide margin. Americans have the highest percentage of one-person households holds on the entire planet. Well, that makes sense when you have the highest divorce rate in the world by a wide margin. A hundred years ago, check this out, 4.52 people, for four and a half people, uh, percentage-wise, uh, were, living in the, were living in the average U.S. household, but now the average U.S. household only consists of about 2.59 people. So uh, household sizes have, have become much smaller. Isn't this interesting? This is this is really powerful data here. According to the Pew uh, Research Center, only 51% of all American adults are married. Back in 1960, 72% of all uh, adults were, were married. The suicide rate in the United States is now the highest that it has been in 25 years. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, shockingly, 22, uh, really not that shocking to tell you the truth, you know, with post-traumatic stress on the rise, et cetera, uh, but, but 22 military veterans kill themselves every day uh, by means of suicide. And the suicide rate for Americans between the ages of 35 and 64 rose by close to 30% between 1999 and, 
in 2010. The number and the number of Americans that are killed by suicide now exceeds the number of Americans that die as a result of an automobile accident every single year. That is huge. And finally, the rate of suicide is highest during the holidays, during the Christmas holidays uh, that come at the end of the year. And about 45% of all Americans say that they dread the Christmas season. And and this is linked to uh, psychology today. And, and and I just, uh, in as much time as I spent on this, I just covered the high points. If you go to this article, it'll go into um, each one of these bullet points that I that I that I, uh, that, I that I spoke on and mentioned. Uh, there are more. Uh, there's more information and and more detailed information, I should say, uh, below each bullet point. So you might want to check out that article. I believe it's very telling, and I, and I think it shows us where we're at as a nation how we're falling apart uh, from the inside out, I mean, in every which way, uh, we definitely need to get our priorities right. You know, because, uh, you know, our country needs prayer. The American people need prayer. We need to seek God's face. We need to seek him and, and to put our trust in him. We're going to take a look at, at some economic news here in just a moment uh, before we wrap up the program. Bible Gateway was trending on Twitter today, and so I uh, I noticed one of the uh, one of the scriptures that was trending, and I decided to post it here on MagellanShow.com. Uh, Psalm 107, verses 29 and 30. It says it like this: He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Psalm 107, verses 29 and 30. Powerful words of scripture from the word of Almighty God. You know, the blessed assurance that we can, that we can find through Jesus Christ is found in the pages of the Bible. And, uh, and it's always refreshing to be able to... Uh, glean understanding and knowledge and wisdom and hope from the word of Almighty God. Let's take a look at uh, at the markets right now and see where we're at there. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 126 points. Hasn't been the greatest week for uh, for the stock exchange. Uh, the NASDAQ is down 13. The S&P 500 down 10 uh, points. I think we're going to see, uh, and I hope I'm wrong, uh, a gradual decline in the stock market. I don't believe it's going to be just this one day where you have just this, this meltdown, although that could very well happen, but a gradual decline. Uh, what's happening with Bitcoin? Uh, this is a... Uh, many of you understand Bitcoin, but it is a cryptocurrency, the leading cryptocurrency that is not tied to any central banking system. And how is it trading today? One Bitcoin, uh, 325.6. So about $325 will get you one Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, amazing cryptocurrency that 
can digitally be moved anywhere in the world with minimal microscopic fees. So really a lot better than, than some of the other uh, ways of, of, of uh, moving, mon moving money uh, uh, or other types of merchants. Uh, just a, a great independent way. Uh, it hasn't been without its own set of problems. No, we, we definitely acknowledge that. But it seems like the Bitcoin's really shaken uh, a lot of that stuff to the side, a lot of these issues that held it back. And I think that you're really seeing good, steady, solid growth out of Bitcoin now. And many times these things take time. And I, but I think I think we're seeing uh, I think we're seeing it mature in the right way. Now, what's the precious metals market doing uh, this morning? Uh, gold is down eight to ten eighty. Silver is down nine cents to fourteen twenty five. Silver really looking good, I got to tell you. That's what I think. Platinum is down eight to eight seventy seven, and palladium is five sixty four down sixteen. Uh, the euro uh, has been down significantly as compared to the U.S. dollar. Uh, on Tuesday, we were looking at the European euro. Dollar oh seven, dollar oh seven. We're going to see if we can get a uh, uh, a readout on the euro this morning. And look at that exchange rate right now. Up just a little bit, a dollar oh eight, but still dramatically and significantly lower than than what it had been. Looking at other currencies, uh, the Central Bank of Iraq, uh, their website, cbi.iq, indicative rates for this 12th day of November 2015. Uh, reading out here, 1166 to the U.S. dollar, 1249 to the euro, 1767 to the Great British Pound. Well, we're at it. Uh, just talking about Iraq, you know, a lot of these uh, markets. Um, and, and I want to, I want to say, you know, we don't know how all this is going to end up. We haven't even had, we didn't get a chance to talk about China and Russia today. I know they're really big, uh, trending stories in, in the in the news right now, as they flex their 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 political and military uh, muscles, so to speak. But it makes you wonder, you know, how will Iraq end up as a result, as a result of uh, of what's going on with with the invitation that they extended to Russia to get involved? Because, well, we pulled out, we pulled out of of Iraq in a pretty dramatic and abrupt way, so. It, it again makes me wonder, you know, how Russia will respond, and will that help the nation of Iraq? We know that there's oil there, there's gas there. Many have been hoping and praying that Iraq would move in a positive direction, uh, both economically and along with their security as well. It remains uh, to be seen, but you know, we'll be watching reports from. From various uh, from various leaders in Iraq, uh, we uh, we follow Dr. Hader Alabadi on Twitter, 
and uh, and we're we're looking at the economic conditions in Iraq because we know that so many are uh, are invested in in Iraq in a big way, either through its currency or through uh, or through uh, let's say uh, the uh, the oil, the natural gas. You have some big heavy hitters there. Lots of news we could still cover today, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up our program. We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of The Magellan Show. Our playback number is 712-775-7039, access code 327-756-POUND. I I want to say that uh, you can certainly get in touch with us and, and let us know what you think about our program. If you have ideas or suggestions for special guests, email us, contact at MagellanShow.com. Again, that's contact at MagellanShow.com. Follow us on social media at Real Magellan, www.MagellanShow.com. We want to thank IKDCalls.com for posting our programs, Podbay.fm as well as others. Uh, We're on iTunes as well, so lots of ways to connect with us. Uh, Consider donating uh, to our cause uh, you can go to the website, uh, thejellenshow.com, and click on the Donate button. A gift, large or small, really helps out, helps us keep going and, and, and speaking out on, on, on these ideas that are important, uh, freedom, liberty, uh, religious liberty, and so much more. Help us continue on doing what we're doing. On December 1st, we will be having our 500th show. So uh, we want to keep on going. So definitely help us out. I know many of you have been listening to me from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, when you donate to what we're doing, you, you, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, if I if I can't donate, you know, uh, $100 or $50, then I shouldn't donate. Do you realize that you can really help out what we're doing? You know, we want to expand. We want to go to FM radio. We want to do a lot of things. Plus, you know, we want to continue to keep the lights on. And, uh, you know, you can certainly become a sponsor if you have a business or whatever. But maybe you just want to give, you know, $5, $10, $15, $20. Uh, you know, it makes a difference when, when many of you do that. So consider doing that. Would you www.MagellanShow.com, click on the Donate button. We do appreciate that. Well, I'm going to get out of here. I appreciate your listening to the show, as I always do. We will be back here on Tuesday. Uh, this weekend will be the Democratic debate. Uh, Hillary Clinton, O'Malley, and Bernie Sanders will be uh, going at it this Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern in Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central this Saturday night. You might want to catch that and see what, what they're doing. We're here Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 Central, for The Magellan Show. Thanks so much for listening. God bless all of you. Have a great day. This is Magellan. Bye-bye for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.